This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the city of Melbourne. Today's big question, how do I handle difficult work colleagues? We're asking this question today to two people. Andrew Laird works for City Bible Forum in Melbourne and directs Life at Work, an initiative aimed at connecting Christian faith with our daily work. He's also the author of a book, Under Pressure, How the Gospel Helps Us Handle the Pressures of Daily Work. And he joins me now. Please welcome Andrew Laird. Thanks, Rob. We're also asking this question today to Ben. Now, Ben works for an organisation in Melbourne and his name has been changed to protect privacy. Yes, today we'll be talking about some fairly sensitive work-related issues. So please welcome Ben. Well, welcome both. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Now, today we're talking about difficult work colleagues. And, Andrew, this is a potentially awkward conversation um, (laughs) because we are actually colleagues. We are. (laughs) And have been so for four and a half years. So how do you feel about doing a public conversation about talking about difficult colleagues with me. This is, not, this is not awkward for me. Is it awkward for you, Rob? That's my question. <laughs> Next question. And Ben, <laughs> moving on. So am I sitting between you guys for a reason? <laughs> but to kick off bigger questions, we do like to ask a couple of smaller questions. We do try to have a bit of fun on the show. Today we're asking Andrew Laird and Ben about handling difficult work colleagues. So I thought we'd test you on how much you know about the TV show The Office. Now, a show which has a number of difficult colleagues. Now, have you ever watched the show? Uh, I can say I haven't watched a whole episode. Okay. So I'm not feeling very confident at all. I'm I'm the same. Bits bits and pieces, but not a full episode. But it does have a lot of difficult colleagues from what you've managed to glean from it. Yeah, it does Mm -hmm. seem like it's it's part of internet culture. So I've seen bits of it. Well, there's two questions, both multiple choice, and we'll try to get you to pass. Question one. In both English and American versions of The Office, the same incident occurred where the regional manager played a joke on the office assistant by telling her that she was fired without severance for doing what? Was it A, stealing food from the office fridge? Was it B, typing emails all in capitals? Was it C, stealing post-it notes? Or D, not stapling papers correctly? They're all fairly trivial, but often it's the trivial things that are particularly frustrating in the office. So yeah. I, I'm leaning towards A or B. Yeah, I was thinking A sounds like the kind of thing that, uh, that a okay, comedy well, writer would come up with. It's not. But, okay, <laughs> right, okay. But we're still workshopping. So C or D. C or D. Uh, <laughs> <that's right. laughs> yeah. I'm going to go C. Okay. What was C again? C was stealing post-it notes. Seriously, I'm going to go D just so that we cover our bases. (laughs) Okay, well, the correct answer actually was C, Ah, stealing post-it notes. In both American and British versions, the joke kind of backfired as the office assistant then burst into tears. But perhaps strangely, maybe it's not so bad that all those other answers were things that people have really been sacked for uh, in offices around the world. Okay, question two. In a scene in season six of the American version of The Office, the office is undergoing sensitivity training. So what did the manager, Michael Scott, played by Steve Carell, say to a colleague when this colleague says that you can't make fun of people for race, gender or sexual orientation? Did he say, A, of course, all teasing should not be tolerated? Did he say, B, I agree because I think so much of warm and sensitive hearts that I would spare them from being wounded? Did he say, C, to be or not to be, that is the question? Or D, who let the lemon head into the room you're a waste of life and you should give up. 
<laughs> so which of those did Michael Scott say to his colleague when you and you can't make fun of people? I'm going to say D yeah. with all that that entails. So <laughs> okay, nobody right, quotes yeah. me saying that. Yeah, yeah. I'm going D as You're well. Going D. That's, yeah. And that's a good one to go with because that's exactly what Michael Scott did say in that episode. And then he went on to say, is what I want to say, but I won't because that's why we're doing this sensitivity training right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, so, well, congratulations. Uh, Andrew and Ben, you are a joy to work with because you passed – our smaller questions. You've got one or two of our smaller questions, right? Big round of applause. <laughs> now, I'm not sure that you've ever had a colleague quite like Michael Scott from the office in your workplace at all, but one research study found 331 instances of different forms of workplace bullying in 54 episodes of The Office, which adds up to around six bullying incidents per episode. Now, Andrew, it's perhaps concerning what were meant to be jokes on the TV show is the everyday reality of many workers in Australia today, that many people do have difficult work colleagues. Yeah, and look, I think one of the reasons people enjoy The Office or other workplace uh, situated satires or comedies is because is because they go pretty close to the bone yeah. in terms of it's very familiar. We can laugh along at it to one degree because uh, we can think of our own experiences like that too. And, and as they say, you've got to either laugh or cry sometimes and laughing is perhaps the best way of handling it. Yeah. But, of course, there are things that are trivial in the workplace that are annoying and you can laugh about that, but, but there are serious things too which yeah. uh, aren't laughing matters. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, now, now, you wrote in your book Under Pressure that a mm. key reason people leave their workplaces is because they can't stand their colleagues? Yes, and in particular their boss. Right. Um, so when you look at a number of surveys of why people move, um, there are probably two main reasons that often come out. Yeah. The first reason's perhaps pretty obvious in that uh, people change jobs frequently because of better prospects somewhere else, better pay, better conditions, better work. And that's probably the main reason why people in Australia move jobs. But the second reason or one of the common reasons that comes through frequently as well is I can't stand the people that I work with. Right. And so the way of, of dealing with that is to move away. And often the person that I can't stand working with is the boss. Yeah. And so they're the people that we move away from, yeah. especially. So then, but it's not necessarily related to bullying though, is it? No, not necessarily. It can, be, it can be just annoying people, frustrating people. It can be frustration with perhaps the way uh, a team is organised or a boss wants to organise the team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes, I mean, as you say, the, the example here, people were sacked for stealing food from the office fridge or not stapling papers correctly, et cetera. Like, obviously, I probably want to leave those workplaces anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I suppose there's a sense in which those places are not really great places to work no, in. But they're no. symptomatic, I suppose, of this, this underlying problem that there is uh, workplace tension. Yeah, I mean, there's an author who, who, uh, who puts it like this. She, she says, to have a, a happy time in the workplace, you've got to do two things well. One is to do the work well, yep. and one is to get on well with the people that you work with. She says, to be honest, doing the work well is usually the easier of the two. Right, yeah, yeah. So then how should we handle these difficult or frustrating colleagues? Yeah, well, I think there's, in the book, I talk about perhaps two main stances or postures that we, we perhaps take with difficult colleagues and they're seemingly opposite, although I think come from the same motivation. One is what we've talked about so far, the moving away, and that can be literally changing job. But even when you're still in the workplace, you can you move can, yourself away from people. You can disconnect. So disconnect, ignore them, work from home. Um, you oh, can, hot desking is great. Hot desking. <laughs> or if you're the boss, you can move them around to someone else's department. That can be someone else's problem. Yeah. But the other approach is perhaps commonly is also to move to 
towards them rather than away from them, but to move towards them and attack them. And this is the idea of, um, well, don't get mad, get, get even. Yeah. But both of those, I think, come from the same place, which is self-protection in one sense. Both of them are about protecting myself and my interests, yeah. whether it's moving away or moving towards and getting even. Yeah. So which one then should we adopt? Well, I would, I would suggest as a Christian person that there's perhaps a third posture that we can think about. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we'll come to that in a, in a, in a second. But Ben, now you've had a particularly difficult colleague that you have dealt with in the past. Hmm. Now, though this wasn't filmed for a TV show, uh, it was no laughing matter. Hmm. So can you tell us what happened? What was, tell us about the situation. Yeah, it's, it's a, it was a while ago. Um, everybody was under stress. We were, under, we were constructing a, a pretty big, pretty expensive piece of work that was going to go on for a long time. Yep. And a colleague who had been high-performing was effectively appointed to a 2IC position and executioner on behalf of the manager. Um, I'm still not sure what the, what the rationale or what, what led to the behaviour change, but um, he shifted from being quite a good, gregarious, friendly person to being... Uh, like a tyrant, right. um, undercutting staff, cut, like, um, divide, separating and dividing staff, so getting colleagues to uh, cut off access to key information so that he would be the source of information so that they'd underperform so that he'd be seen to be performing well. Right. Yeah. In the end, it was in like it was expressed physically, like physically pushing staff back in seats or... Really? So uh, they would actually push people in, in, in the workplace? In the workplace, yep. yeah. 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 To, to the point that, that staff were saying, we're, like, we're not going to work with this guy anymore. Yeah. Um, but, at le- but during the project, during the particularly intense part of the project phase, he was seen as doing really good work. Right. Uh, I can understand they were being, being seen as they're being required to protect him because he's performing well. Yeah. Stuff's getting done, um, but the way that it's getting done is he's burning people and taking glory. So. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that led to terrible morale in the workplace. Yeah, so I, suppose, yeah. I mean, it's understandable that the morale would be down. But how, how about yourself personally? Like, how are you impacted? It's really, um, it's really hard because you can see him doing it to other people and so you fear it being done to yourself. So if you're on the inside of that kind of bullying situation, yeah. you can feel protected because the people on the outside, like, we're all working together as a team to get this thing done and those guys are the enemy. Yeah. And so maybe it's okay if I switch off, if I disable their access to this thing, or maybe it's okay if I just cross this line a little bit. Yeah. But as Christian, as a Christian, there should be conscious niggling at you. And so quickly I've realised, no, this is not right at all. I'm going to stop doing that. And as soon as you stop doing it, you're on the outer. Yeah. And then the full force of negative behaviour is on you on from you. that point. So how did he treat you? Uh, yeah, so he was cutting me out of meetings. He was. What do you belitt- mean by that? Like he just. So there's there's work that I'm responsible for. I've called a meeting to talk about that thing. He'll preempt that meeting with his own meeting that I'm not invited to. Right. Or he'll to do with the same. Or topic. he'll walk into the meeting and say, "No, I've already done the work. Um, we don't need to talk about what he's doing." Or he'll or he'd say to managers, "No, he's underperforming. You need to." About you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it never got to the point of physical. Uh, assault for me, even though you saw him do it to other people. Yeah, even though, yeah, and and um, I'm kind of the counsellor for a bunch of people at work. Right. I, I don't know if that's the same for Christians in the workplace, but often because you're sensitive and kind, people will come and talk to you about stuff. Right. So there was a lot of people confiding, confiding in you, in me about what had been done to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. As well, but by, by the end of it, like we'd be standing in a lift next to each other. Yeah. Uh, and I'd say hello to this person, and he'd just ignore 
like completely be shut down and not not respond at all. It was right. like he was doing, like pretending that it was interesting having been on the inside to see, to be able to cope with it better on the outside. So I'd yeah. seen him doing this to other people. Yeah. So it was, <laughs> and now he was doing it to you. So now he was doing it to me. So okay, I'm on the outer. Um, I'm gonna have to deal with this. So in terms of this being a dysfunctional work relationship, mm -hmm. how would you rate it out of ten? I'm always wary with 10 ratings, because, <laughs> okay, right, yeah. uh, but I've not experienced a less functional, like this is the most dysfunctional work relationship I've ever experienced. So we're talking high nines. So. Yeah, it's, it's a great experience to have gone through because I, like a bunch of other colleagues have said it as well, um, we can cope with anything. We're not going to find another colleague as bad as this guy. Mm. So, so we've been toughened up. So that's, that's a blessing, <laughs> I guess. But it was hard work. Yeah, it was yeah. painful. It was it was really painful. It takes a while to realize that it's going on. Yeah. And there are things that you want to do to try and resolve the situation. Right? So you don't So one of the one of the complexities in it is we're all working together really hard to get a thing done. Yeah. If I shout bully, HR is going to explode. Like yeah. as soon as in a big organization at least at the time, I assume it's the same now, bullying is auto, like auto escalation. Yes, yeah. So it goes up and up and up and it gets dealt with. And if I, if I shout bully, then there's going to be massive disruption. This big multi-million dollar piece of work is going to suffer because there's going to be investigations and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... But was it also that you weren't quite sure whether this really... Is this just kind of normal behaviour but just a bit strange or did you... There was a little bit of boiling the frog. Like once, while I was inside, it was a bit of like, that's odd behaviour but we're getting well, stuff done. We can, yeah. Um, and certainly at the point of deciding, no, no, I'm not participating in this, that was clear that that was mm. bad behaviour. Mm. But then again, the, the, the desire to not blow things up means like I had to be really careful in shouting bully in a crowded thing. Yeah. Yeah, so I had to deal with it that way. So when Andrew just talked about some of the, the responses, which is um, moving away or attacking, uh, did you consider those approaches? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, everybody, <laughs> like everybody was doing the move away. Right, yeah. Um, so this guy was kind of isolating himself more and more. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He was burning through people, so he'd bring other people in to help do his work and they'd eventually work out what was going on and, and stop helping. But Yeah. But, yeah, so physically moving away as well, so there were... You know, people would say, oh, I need to go and work uh, over there because I sometimes have work with those other people. So, Andrew, this would, this would seem like a fairly normal or standard kind of response for people, do you think, in the, that situation? away. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, we joked, we laughed earlier about the sticky note examples or yeah. the, the staples, and we can laugh about those sort of annoyances in the workplace. But, you know, the, as we said, there, is, there are serious serious bullying that does go on too which is not a laughing matter and i suspect this is probably the case for you ben that that um that you don't just deal with that at the actual day and as soon as you go home you, you know you, you don't have to worry about it now that's the kind of thing that weighs on you yeah all yeah. the time outside of work too yeah. yeah so a practically helpful thing to do is to write contemporaneous accounts of what happens right so sit down and write logs of what's happened yeah because if 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 it's not bullying and you're just incompetent and your boss is telling you do that better, please. Yeah. If you've written down what's going on and you read back over it in a couple of weeks' time, it's clear it's not a pattern of bullying. Yeah. Um, but if you've written it down and there's examples of genuine, ongoing, repeated, uh, inappropriate behaviour, then it's clear and it's documented and it's contemporaneous mm. and you've got a record that can go to HR mm. if you need to. Yeah. 
The big question we're asking today is how to handle difficult colleagues. And Andrew, you mentioned before, you think there's a third approach that the Bible has something to say on this topic? Yeah, and in particular, uh, Jesus himself. And, and that approach I perhaps could describe as leaning in with love. Yeah. Um, and it comes from some of the words that Jesus said, which uh, some people suggest are perhaps the most radical words that he ever spoke. Yeah. And that is the idea of loving your enemies. Yeah. Well, we'll look at it right now, because in the Gospel of Luke, which is one of the four biographies of Jesus' life that we have, Jesus says to his disciples, this, this radical teaching, as you suggested, Andrew, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who ill-treat you. Now, this is pretty radical teaching. So, Ben, how do you react to this? In fact, your daughter taught you an important lesson about this passage one time. Do you want to share what happened? So, we, we have three kids. We're out at a playground and uh, you can't supervise three kids when they're and the eldest one you can kind of trust to go off and play by herself. But in the, as it so happened, she uh, was being bullied in the playground. She was being told by older kids, you need to clean up our mess. And she was in tears cleaning up their mess. But I didn't, I, I arrive and she's in tears cleaning up mess. And I'm like, I know you're coming with me, what's going on? And eventually pieced together what's happened over time. And I'm livid. Like, yeah. Like, how dare they do this? How dare they do this to, to, my, daughter. Daughter, to my daughter? Yeah. Um, no, and I'm, so, I'm saying to her, no, no, you come and tell me, you karate kick your way through these girls if you have to. You tell me and we get yeah. this sorted out. So this is and the, she, this and is she the... says, no, no, the Bible says to love your enemies and to turn the other cheek. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't <laughs> care what the Bible said. No, no, don't, don't say that out loud. That's internal monologue. <laughs> I need to model to her godly behaviour, yeah. yeah. Well, this shows you the radicalness, I suppose, of this teaching, doesn't it? It is opposite to the way that you want to behave. Like yeah. Your human nature hates injustice against yourself or against your own people yeah. and wants to fight against that. So, Andrew, how do you think this could apply then to, the dif to difficult colleagues? Yeah, you see some of the things that Jesus says there, the idea of loving your enemies, but I think one of the ways that this passage particularly fleshes that out is the expression of doing good to those who hate you. About five or six times in, in this section in, in Luke's biography of Jesus, there's that, there's that idea of doing good towards people who you don't like, blessing them rather than cursing them. And, and so you can begin to think of practical ways that that might look like uh, in the office. You know, the person that you can't stand that you're seeking to avoid, instead of doing that, making a beeline for them first thing in the morning and asking a question of them and how they're going and how, what does their day look like. Or other little ways, you know, the, the frustrating client who's never satisfied, going the extra mile for them. The person who doesn't thank you for the work you're doing, still doing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Ben, could this, this work? I mean, perhaps it's nice teaching 2,000 years ago, but is it a bit naive in the modern workplace, do you think? I mean, what Jesus says to do is applicable through time. Yeah. And I think what was really helpful in... So, I mean, my daughter tells me this story and I, I want to say, no, 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 but she says, no, I want to talk to our minister about it. So we went and spoke to the minister at our church. She's, she's mature but beyond her age, but basically he said something very helpful, which is that there's, there's, a, there's two responsibilities to love, to love the enemy and to love the people who are being hurt as well. Yeah. And that God's placed people in authority to do justice and where justice is not being done, a loving thing to do is to seek justice to be done. Mm, mm. And so in a situation where there's genuine injustice and bullying happening, 
a loving thing to do is to report that and to see it being dealt with. And so what I minister said was you're, you're balancing the desire for justice to be done generally with the command to, to be willing to sacrifice yourself for the other. Yeah. Where it's just you being affected, uh, yeah, start out with a, with a posture of love, um, but also seek to make sure that injustice doesn't continue to be done. It's not loving to let. Mm. Well, this, this, this touches on some of the issues that uh, Christopher Hitchens once said, the famed atheist, but also we've got a couple of text message, messages from our, our live audience here about this same concept. Uh, Christopher Hitchens was once asked about the concept of loving enemies and he rejected the suggestion by saying we have to hate our enemies and try to destroy them before they destroy us. Now, that seems to be the natural human response, do you think? Andrew? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if it was just me and operating out of my own accord, then that would be the, the direction in which I would move. Mm. And I totally agree with everything Ben was saying there about injustices. And I don't want to sound naive either, as though, well, just loving your enemies uh, will solve all of your problems. It'll be kind of Pollyanna will just sort of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. dance off into yeah. the sunset. There is a sense in which, actually, as you do lean in towards people with love... You never know how they might respond and they may, that may actually mean they respond positively. There's one writer, Paul Tripp, who says we need to tender relationships like plants in that they're never going to grow. The relationship will never grow unless you do tend to it in some ways. But I don't want to be so naive to say is when you lean in with love towards people and act with kindness when they're hurting you that they won't then hit you again. Mm. Um, literally or metaphorically speaking. And I think Jesus knows that as well in this passage, in the next, <laughs> very next couple of verses. Yeah, he says, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. So there's a sense in which Jesus realises that someone who's abusing you may well continue doing that. He recognises that, yes, you might give your coat to them and, and they don't give you anything back in return. Yeah. And you are left with even less than yeah. when you began. But even in spite of that, he still gives this instruction to, to love your enemies. Yeah. Well, Hitchens would disagree because he goes on and says that loving your enemies disarms those of virtue and leaves them at the mercy of the wicked. And so by saying love your enemies, is Jesus then making us too vulnerable perhaps? What do you think, Ben? Like the command that Jesus gives us to love our enemies is transformative. Generally leaning in with love in a loving way. So this particular colleague... So, how did, how did, so this particular colleague, I ended up... Like, I, I would... I chose the seat as close to him as possible. So you didn't run away. You no. sort of leant in and yep. sort of sat next to so, him. So he, his behaviour was reported. It was dealt with by the company. And he was... His behaviour was moderated. To be honest, after the reporting, I, it was just I felt sad and sad for him. Yeah. That a person like that could only achieve like only actually achieve things by bullying or uh, hurting other people, which made it easier to love him. Actually, my mother-in-law said I should be praying for him in the midst of it all going badly. Are you praying that he's saved? Yeah. Like, oh, that's a, that's a, um, that's a kick in the guts because yeah. I should be praying that he's saved. The only thing that will change his behaviour is a change of heart. The only thing that will stop him being a sociopath is Jesus or the Holy Spirit working in his life to change his behaviour. Yeah. And so I suppose by... If, if by my example to him I can show him some of Jesus' love and I can earn the right to tell him about Jesus, then maybe that change can start in him. And uh, he's interstate now, so I don't know how it's gone. Right. Okay. So there's no happy ending to that one, I'm afraid. Yeah. So I just want to maybe hone in on this, this key question then about the, this, if your colleague is a bully and this teaching of loving your enemies, doesn't that let them off and it perpetuate 
injustice. It kind of allowed, the Christian faith seems to be allowing you to be kind of walked over yes. and become a doormat. What do yes. you think, Andrew? And that's one of the criticisms. That's what Hitchens is kind of saying as well. It gives, disarms those of virtue and leaves them at the mercy of the wicked. Yes, yeah. And if this were all we had to say about love, in that loving enemies and giving to those who, who hurt you, then I, th- I, th- I think it does miss a key element of what the Bible says about love. And really, to, to answer that question or to respond to that, that objection, I'd point people to actually the person of Jesus himself, and in particular his death. Because what you see in Jesus' death is him loving his enemies. That's the way the Bible talks about it. He's laying down his life for his enemies. And even in the moment of his death, he's stripped naked, he has no cloak, what you find him doing on the cross is him praying for his enemies, as he instructs here. And so he practices what he preaches to that, to that extent of giving his life. But what you also have at the cross is not just this mercy, but also you have justice. But the Bible says, actually, if you want justice, then that's a little bit of a scary thought because there's some perhaps necessary to come your way too. And so that's what you get in the cross there. You get justice and mercy where God says, you know, there does need to be justice for, the Bible calls it sins, but Jesus will take that. Mm. A number of questions have come in, which I'll just feed in now. Uh, Hi, I'm concerned that this sounds like Christians should put up with abuse if it's only against them. Is that what you're saying? That's not what I'm saying, and that's a helpful question for clarifying. I'm not even suggesting we necessarily put up with all abuse against us. Mm. As Ben was saying, uh, one, of the, one of the blessings that we have in a lot of workplaces today, not all workplaces but many, is that there are processes where we can report genuine bullying. Mm. I mean, as Ben said, there, there can be reasons why we can be hesitant to do that. And so I'm not suggesting for a moment that to, to love colleagues or even mm. act in a loving way... Uh, may well be to go down those avenues yeah. where there's appropriate justice. Well, another question done. here is saying, are you just making things worse by not being assertive? And you're suggesting that you actually can be assertive in the right channels, etc. You can be assertive like that, but I think it's actually quite an assertive act to move towards someone and love them as well. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's an assertive act. Yeah. So, Andrew and Ben, how can I handle difficult colleagues? Ben. I think the principle of leaning in with love is great and that it's hard and self-sacrificial but it's being like Jesus, being wise as well and being able to determine when leaning in with love is enablement and enabling that person to sin and loving them by stopping them from sinning by reporting them is a good thing to do. Yeah, the same sort of thing. That Just when you're experiencing that, just pause for a moment, say, let's just try not to move away. Let's not try to move towards an attack. How might I lean in with love? A practical way I can do that. And it might be costly, but you might also find it's a surprising result as well too. Well, let me leave you with the Bible's answer to the big question, how do I handle difficult colleagues? From Luke 6, 27 to 28. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who ill treat you. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Please thank our guests today, Andrew Laird and Ben. Hi, everyone. Rob Martin here, host of Bigger Questions. Now, if you'd like to be part of the live audience of Bigger Questions, we're currently recording. 
Uh, we're doing a Melbourne City Lunchtime series throughout September and October. Now, every fortnight, we're exploring Songs of the Heart, six ancient songs uh, with wisdom for life's biggest questions. And we have some fantastic guests, uh, including Matt Jacoby, lead singer of the Psalms project band Sons of Korah. We've got Sylvie Palladino, who regularly performs at uh, Carols by Candlelight. I've got CEO, Dr. Jenny George. She's, she's going to be speaking on mental fitness, and there's much more as well. All the recordings are at lunchtime, and you can be part of the live audience uh, where you could ask your questions, you can have your cheer uh, recorded for the podcast, but also ensure you bring your other big questioners as we reflect on these ancient songs with some surprising answers for the modern world. So you can check out biggerquestions.org slash songs for all the details, and we hope to see you there. And also, in case you missed it, we're now streaming Bigger Questions on Spotify. So if you're a Spotify user, you can subscribe, stream, and enjoy yet more Bigger Questions. So thanks again for listening to Bigger Questions. Don't forget to follow Bigger Questions on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And please share the show with your friends or colleagues. Let's get the word out and get more people asking the bigger questions in our world. And if you want to invest in bigger thinking, then maybe you could support us on Patreon. For as little as US $1 a podcast, you can help create better dialogue around the bigger questions of life. So thanks once again for listening, and remember to keep asking the bigger questions.